You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. I'll tell you, in my own life, in my prayer life, and one of the things I've been learning over the years is just how powerful praying and fasting and humbling ourselves before the Lord is. When we pray and when we fast and we deny ourselves and we humble ourselves, the Lord takes notice. And it moves the mighty hand of God in such a powerful and profound way like no other. Throughout the Psalms, we see David pouring his heart out before the Lord. As David wrestled with injustice, betrayal, and persecution, his first and only refuge was to cry out to God to save him and to make all the wrongs right again. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will talk about the importance of being transparent with your Heavenly Father. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 35 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Psalm 35, it's a psalm of David. Verse 1, Plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Also, draw out the spear and stop those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. Let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Let them, verse 5, be like chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. That's, that's quite a, a picture, isn't it? Here's David praying and just pleading with God to pursue his enemies, those that are against him. Have the heavenly host pursue them. I like that. Verse, in a sanctified way. <laughs> Verse 7. For without cause they have hidden their net for me in a pit, which they have dug without cause for my life. Let destruction come upon him unexpectedly. Now I should probably, this is as good of a place as any to just parenthetically say that we don't pray this way today. Uh, we are not to pray this way concerning our enemies. We're to pray for our enemies. Those who speak evil against us. Those who despitefully use us. Jesus in a way raised the bar as it were, when it comes to our enemies, those that posture themselves against us. I think the best way as we go through Psalm 35 to see this and to understand this psalm is to see it in the context of spiritual attack from our enemy, the adversary, the devil, not man. Because again, as we're going to see when we get back into and finish our study through Ephesians in chapter 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not our enemy. Now here David is praying because he has 
so many enemies that have risen up against him, so many enemies that pursue him. And so he's just praying for protection. He's praying for justice, that God will intervene, that God will protect him. So it's better understood in that way. So let's move on. And let his net that he has hidden catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. Verse 9. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you? Delivering the poor. And God is for the poor. Delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him. Yes, the poor and the needy from him who plunders him. Fierce witnesses rise up, verse 11. They ask me things that I do not know. They reward me evil for good to the sorrow of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting. Stop right there. I want to draw your attention to this, uh, really two words, humbled and fasting. Do you realize that's what fasting is? To fast is to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he, we're told in the Proverbs, will lift us up. Also in the book of James and really throughout scripture. This is what we know to be true. You know, on Tuesday night, we uh, had many who shared some really um, powerful testimonies. And one brother uh, shared about how the Lord uh, just really brought to his attention that he not only needed to pray very fervently, very effectually, very, uh, you know, intensely and, and specifically, but in addition to praying, he needed to fast. I'm reminded of when the disciples tried to cast a demon uh, out of this boy, and they couldn't. And so the dad brings the boy and comes to Jesus and says, hey, your disciples tried to cast a demon out of my son, and they couldn't. What's up with that? That's the very loose paraphrase of the, <laughs> in the original. But uh, the response that Jesus gave was very telling and very important. He said, uh, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. I know this is probably another topic for another time, but and maybe I, I, I will yet future uh, maybe do a teaching on the importance of fasting. I'll tell you, uh, in my own life, in my prayer life, and one of the things I've been learning over the years is just how powerful praying and fasting and humbling ourselves before the Lord is. When we pray and when we fast and we deny ourselves and we humble ourselves, the Lord takes notice. And it moves the mighty hand of God in such a powerful and profound way like no other. So listen to what David says. He says, I humble myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my own heart. I paced, verse 14, about as though he were my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. But in my adversity, verse 15, they rejoiced and gathered together. Attackers gathered against me and I did not know it. 
They tore at me and did not cease. With ungodly mockers at feasts, they gnashed at me with their teeth. Lord, verse 17, how long will you look on? The implication here is is that God for some reason is delaying in intervening and doing anything about what is happening to David. Now it's important to understand that there does come those times where Satan is behind that person in your life that is attacking you, gossiping about you, falsely accusing you. I think about the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy in his second epistle. And he actually says, this again is a very loose paraphrase. This is really important. He says that there are those Christians in the church that Satan is using to wreak havoc in the church. To bring chaos and confusion in the church. They're they're Christians, but Satan is behind it. They're not the enemy. Satan is the enemy, but he's using Christians. Wait a minute, pastor, what are you saying? Is that even possible? Well, think about this. How about when Peter, Satan was behind it. And Peter, when Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross. And Peter basically says, over my dead body, you're going to go to the cross. And what was Jesus' response? Get thee behind me, Satan. (laughs) Can you imagine? Could you imagine what was going through Peter's mind? Did, did you just call me Satan? No, I didn't call you Satan. I called out Satan, who's using you, Peter, to do something that is contrary to what I need to do. And this is always behind everything that is against the will of God and the word of God and even the church of God and the people of God as well. Satan is behind it. And again, I I know I keep talking about it, but I really cannot wait to get into, and we're going to take some time from verse 10 on through the rest of Ephesians chapter 6. It's actually a very well-known and even famous passage in God's Word concerning spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And you know what's really interesting about the armor? And it's actually something that sadly is oftentimes missed whenever you do a study in Ephesians 6 concerning the armor, and it has to do with how you put the armor on, how you use the armor. You know how you use it? You know how you put it on? Prayer. Prayer. It's, I would even venture to say it's the most important part of the entirety of all of the spiritual armor. Prayer. And after he goes through and uses this metaphor listing all of these pieces of the armor and connecting them to how they defend us and protect us. And then the one offensive weapon, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. After all of that, he says, now here's the most important part of it. Prayer. Pray without ceasing. Praying always. And then he even asks for prayer for himself. Well, lest I preach Ephesians 6. Let's get back to Psalms already in progress. Let me just start back in 17. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue me from their destructions, my precious life from the lions. And is that not an apt description Peter tells us of how the enemy is? He's a roaring lion. He's stalking us. 
very patiently waiting for the optimum time to attack, to attack that church, to attack that Christian family, to attack that Christian marriage. And, he, and he's, looking, he, he's looking for the vulnerability, the, the weak spot. And, and again, very patient. He's just stalking, walking back and forth, just waiting. Okay, I'm just watching, waiting for the optimum time. Oh, uh, he's very tired right now. He's very weak right now, very unsuspecting right now. He hasn't been in the Word for a while. It's been said that uh, a week without the Word makes one weak. I'll give you some time on that. Do I need to spell it? Or One week without the Word makes one weak. It's also been said of prayer, the same thing. One week without prayer makes one weak. And so too with God's Word. One week without the Word makes one weak. And so Satan's waiting and he's watching. Because how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when we're strong in our faith, then Satan just waits. He waits until we're weak. He waits until we're vulnerable. And then when we are, he attacks. And he, and he does it in a way that's, that we don't expect usually. And isn't it interesting that we, we guard up, we, we shore up those areas that we know are weak in? And I think about what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter 10. I want to say it's uh, verse uh, 12 about how that we need to be careful if we think we stand strong, lest we fall. Because here's what happens. We think, oh yeah, I got that area of my life under control. Ooh. Oh, you think you stand strong in that area? Yeah. Watch out. That's the area where now, see, you're not shoring that area up. You kind of let your guard down because you think you got, you got that under control. So Satan says, oh yeah, they're so busy over here because they know that's an area of weakness. So I'm going to come in through this back door over here where they don't expect it. And then he launches his attack. Verse 18, I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among many people. Let them not rejoice over me who are wrongfully my enemies, nor let them, and this is interesting, let them wink with the eye who hate me without cause. Hang on to that. Verse 20, for they do not speak peace, but they devise deceitful matters against the quiet ones in the land. They also open their mouth wide against me and said, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. This you have seen, O Lord. Do not keep silence, O Lord. Do not be far from me. Stir up yourself and awake to my vindication, to my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, verse 25, Ah, so we would have it. Let them not say, we have swallowed him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who rejoice at my heart. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who exalt themselves against me. Let them shout for joy 
and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And verse 28, my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. So a couple thoughts here on this psalm, the first of which has to do with David's heartfelt plea and prayer concerning his many enemies. It's believed that he penned this psalm about the time that Jonathan, his best friend, Saul's son, came to him in the wilderness and warned him about his father wanting to kill him. You know, I, for those of you who are part of that study in First Samuel, um, my heart went out to Jonathan. You know, can you imagine how hard that would have been? He knows that David is going to succeed his father as king over Israel. And yet his own father, the king of Israel, a not good king, started out okay, ended up bad. But his own father is trying to kill the next king of Israel, who he knows is anointed. And not only that, but David and Jonathan's friendship and uh, relationship was such that, I think about what the proverb says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that was Jonathan and David. I can't imagine how difficult it was. And he would go to his own death with his father in battle. Loyalty. And he knew it. It's a really interesting. Can't wait to meet Jonathan in heaven. This was an amazing man. An amazing man. And so David doubtless had many fond memories. And this was one of them. And He's reminiscing uh, at this time about this experience when Jonathan came to him. So what's the takeaway from the psalm? I think the takeaway is, and I know I'm going to sound like a broken record when I say this, but the takeaway is the importance of prayer, the power of prayer, 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 prayer. And specifically when it comes to spiritual attack, spiritual warfare, when you're up against adversity and the enemies surround you in all directions. Here's a second thought. And it has to do with what David says in verse 19 about his enemies winking the eye and hating him without cause. Now, I point this out because... It speaks to a very important truth that, sadly again, we as Christians are prone to forget. And it's that of the world hating us without cause, as it were, by virtue of our association with and belief in Jesus Christ. You know, it's, to me, sad and disingenuous. It's disingenuous at best, it's really dishonest at worst, when Christians will give non-Christians the impression that if you come to Christ, oh happy day, all your problems go away. Listen, I'll tell you, when I came to Christ, surely 
It was a happy day because my sins had been washed away, but my problems did not go away. Uh, there were more problems that came my way after I came to Christ. And all of a sudden now I'm going against the world. And uh, my friends wanted nothing to do with me. And they hated me. And they hated me without cause because of my relationship, my saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I think there is something that is missed in the sharing of the gospel and sharing Christ with others. And it has to do with counting the cost. Counting, there is a cost. There is a cost to discipleship. Jesus actually spoke to this and even quoted from this psalm in John's gospel. It's in the 15th chapter. I want to read verses 18 through 25. I mean, this is, <laughs> this cuts to the chase. Uh, th this is the, the one passage that people want to avoid. And Satan doesn't want Christians, and especially new Christians, to read. C can I say it this way? It's the fine print. Here's the fine print. Verse 18. If the world hates you, <laughs> you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I have chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. That's interesting in and of itself. You know why they hate you? Because you bring them face to face with their sinful condition in the face of a righteous and holy God. That's why. That's what Jesus is saying. Verse 23, he who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But, verse 25, this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Wear it as a badge of honor. I think about what James very bluntly by the Spirit writes. If you're friends with the world and the world loves you and the world is best friends with you, <laughs> watch out. Because to be friends with the world is to be at enmity with God. In other words, and he even has the audacity, if I can say it that way, to call them spiritual adulterers. That's pretty strong. You, you want to be friends with the world? That's spiritual adultery. If you're a friend with the world, you're not a friend of God. If you're a friend of God, you're not going to be a friend of the world. You can't have it both ways. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Psalms. While our time with you is ending, your study of God's Word doesn't have to. Everyone can learn from the Bible, and everyone will be blessed when they open their hearts to its truth. As you spend time in Scripture today, ask God to share His heart directly with yours and be open to whatever He has to teach you. 
know that we're praying for you as you study and will continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. while you're there, or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth.